Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Also, traditionally in the life of the church, known as Doubting Thomas Sunday, because we always read this text, which takes place on Sunday after the resurrection, a week afterward. And according to the text, if we pay attention to it instead of just the fact that Thomas doubted, if we pay attention to the text, we actually discover that a lot of our worship is explained in this text. This is a great text. Instead, we move right to Thomas should have believed. It's very easy to sit in judgment of Thomas. I think he gets a bad rap. But before we get there, I'd like for us to just appreciate some of the nuances of this text. The first is that they are gathered in a house and they are hiding. The disciples are afraid. They've already started to experience persecution for their belief in the risen Christ. And so they have huddled together, except Thomas, and they are fearful. And suddenly, even despite the locking of the doors, Jesus appears in their midst. And the first thing they're thinking on this Sunday, if you catch that, it's the first day of the week in the Jewish calendar, that is Sunday. They're thinking, this cannot be real. This must be a ghost or a spirit. How can he be here? He was dead. And so he shows them his hands and his side. He shows them that he encountered a bodily resurrection, which is why we say that in our creeds, that indeed his body was raised from the dead, the promise that we too one day will be raised. And as he reveals himself to them, he greets them with this phrase, peace be with you, which is why even now, wherever two or more are gathered in worship, we greet each other with peace be with you. Because Jesus had made us a promise that wherever two or more gathered in his name, he would be present. And when we greet one another with this, the same way he greeted his disciples, we are reminding ourselves and acknowledging to one another and God that we do believe that Jesus is present with us. That's why we take the time to intentionally pass the peace in worship. It's not just a good morning, how are you? It is to acknowledge that the risen Christ is with us when we gather in his name. You know, too often people have said to me, can you take that part out? Can you pull the passing of the peace? And I know what it is. It's the hand-touching thing. I know that. However, that's why God has given us hand sanitizer. And it's appropriate for us to do this, to enter into this. Not only does, does he do it the first time he greets them, he does it again the second time, the next week. He sets a pattern. When we gather weekly in his name, we greet one another with the peace of Jesus Christ. And so as they have begun to have this encounter with the risen Christ, they realize that he is truly with them, he is truly present, resurrected, and they rejoice. And then, once he leaves... And Thomas returns from wherever Thomas was, and who knows where Thomas was. The litany of excuses people give for not being in church is long. And Thomas comes back, and have you ever had that experience where all of your family or your friends, they went somewhere and you weren't there, and all of a sudden they're like, it was so amazing, you so should have been there. 
And you're like, okay, well, tell me what happened. They're like, oh, you just had to be there. And you're like, you're not helping me. That is, that's a Thomas experience. And so I think there's a little bit of Thomas that was like, fine, I wasn't there. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Uh, but I also think there's something about the human condition that says that we don't want to just have an event explained to us. We're experiential people. Thomas wanted an experience, and I think this is where history has maligned him a little bit. I think he wanted the experience of the risen Lord. I don't think he wanted to just hear about it like on the 5 o'clock news. I think Thomas wanted to have that same moment with Jesus. Why not? After three years of long travel and earthly ministry, living through the crucifixion, why wouldn't he want to have the joy of seeing Jesus risen? Why wouldn't he want that for himself? They all got it. But did you catch why they got it? Because they bothered to show up. You have to show up. The truth is that God gives us constantly these once-in-a-lifetime moments. And if you're not there, you miss it. You can't always replicate it. I can give you an example of that. Last Sunday was one of those once-in-a-lifetime things also known as Easter, and it was a huge deal. If you were here last Sunday at 11 o'clock, it was a little different, yes? Like we were in major violation of fire code last week. And let me tell you what happened last week. Last week, we had set a goal, the worship team, of trying to have worship with 750 people. That was almost 100 more than you had last year. So we set that goal of 750, and we had the 8 o'clock worship service, and it was phenomenal. We had the 9.30 worship service. We're on a roll, but at the end of 9.30, even though we had over 290 people, when I walked into the back and I started looking at the numbers, I looked at Linda and I said, I don't know that we're going to make 750. Because as I had looked back over the last two years, I knew that your middle service on Easter was your big service. That that's when most people came. And if I'm looking at that, if that was going to be the big boom and we were going to have less people at 11 o'clock, then we weren't making 750. Because I may be a triple humanities major, but I can do that math. And we were not going to make it. And so I said to Linda, I don't know that we're going to make it. And Linda just went to me, hmm. She keeps me humble. But she also was like, we'll see. And so I thought, well, it doesn't matter if I have two or I have 2,000, we're going to do this. So I went to the back and I put on my chasuble and we got ourselves ready and I came out and lo and behold, people were showing up. And then we came out and the choir sat down and all of a sudden more people were coming in and more people were coming in and there seemed to be this like gathering at the back and next thing I know, we're putting out multiple rows up here. And by the time we finished with the opening, the gathering of our worship service, we were in complete violation of fire code. And I felt like Joe Clark from Lean On Me. And I was like, get him away from the doors. But where were we going to put them? Because there were over 350 people in this room. We don't have that much pewage. It was an amazing thing. We wanted to do 750 people. We felt that that would be a goal for us to attain for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. 750, that's what we thought. Do you know what God does when you ask God for things? 
for the glory of God, God does them. God looked at the 750 I was praying for and was like, Sarah, you're ridiculous. 815. 815 people. I want to give you an example of how insane that number is. My last church, two clergy, four worship services in the last two years for Easter to do that same number you did on one Sunday, three services. We are blessed. 815 people that elected to not have a secular Easter. Because let's be honest, you can worship at the altar of bunnies and baskets on Easter. You can gather with your family and your friends for brunch and call it a day. Instead, 815 people decided that Easter was about being with the resurrected Christ. That Easter was about being with the body of Christ, the family of faith, worshiping, saying hallelujah, praying, praising God through music, listening to the Easter story, and being here. Now, I realize that I'm still within my first year, but I think there's more than one church in Crozet. And they chose to come here. And I could be wrong. I don't think I know 815 people. I haven't really checked my friends on Facebook. But I know that they didn't come here because I invited them. They came here because of you. They came here because just as Jesus told those apostles that day, God sent me, I am sending you. The Father sent the Son, the Son is sending the brothers and the sisters of Christ. You are out in the world in the midst of your everyday lives. And God love you. For some of you, you were the one person in a family. Some of you filled entire pews. You were the person that said, it's Easter Sunday, I'm going to church. Now maybe you looked at them as I would have done and been like, and you're going too. But Maybe your testimony was, I'm going to church. Whether or not you come with me, I am going. And people showed up, and they showed up, and there were more, and there were so many kids, we were like tripping over them. It was an incredible moment. You had to be there because I can't make that happen again. I mean, we're going to try to do better. We want to liturgically go on to perfection. We're going to push them even harder next year. Love y'all. But I can't make last Easter happen again. I can't, I'm not even preaching the same sermon I preached at the last worship service. I can't make it be the same way because it's not. It's a once-in-a-lifetime moment. And you either show up and you're there and you encounter Jesus Christ or guess what? You're going to be hearing about it. And that's not what we want. We don't want to hear about it. We want to experience it. We want to encounter it. That's why people pay insane amounts to go to sporting events. That's why people will drive across the country for a concert. Because there's something about being present. And Thomas knew this. I used to preach this scripture and say that it wasn't about an event, that it was about an experience. And then I had Easter last week and I realized that I'm wrong. It's not about an event or an experience. It's about an encounter. Thomas wanted a God encounter. And when we come to worship, that is what we are seeking, a God encounter. God, show yourself to me. Show me that I am loved. Show me that I am forgiven. Show me that I am not alone. And so we come and we seek that encounter. 
And Thomas wanted that too. And God loved Jesus. Jesus decided to give it to him. And so the next year, the next week, when he actually decided to show up, there was Jesus. Again, the doors were shut, and Jesus came in and looks right at Thomas and says, Here are my hands. Come and see and touch and realize. And the first words out of Thomas's mouth after he encounters the risen Christ, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, you are truly here. Everything that he had wanted was suddenly hand-delivered to him. But he had to show up. He had to be there. And he had to want it. And Jesus delivered because Jesus keeps his promises. And so there they were. And when Thomas finally has his belief moment, his high pinnacle, Jesus says, you believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who have not. And yet they believe. And we have these opportunities to encounter Jesus Christ. Now, when I lived in Williamsburg and I was a student at William & Mary, for some reason it was like a depot for Mormonism. Like they would drop off, you know, they turn 18 and they have to go and do their missionary work for three years. And they would always show up and come to my apartment. Always. And my roommate would say, you're going to want to talk to Sarah. She's not here right now. Can you come back like five-ish? <laughs> and then I would come home from a long day of work in class, and then it'd be like, guess who's showing up at five o'clock? And sure enough, I would have conversations with Mormons. And the Jehovah's Witnesses would show up, and, and all of these other groups would come, and they would want to talk about, about their faith. And as they would talk to me, they would ask me, well, how do you know? How do you know? Well, I know the same way they know, right? I have a holy text. I have a faith community that has raised me. I'm a part of a life of a church. That's how I know. But the truth is, if you burned every Bible and you raised every church and dispersed every body of Christ, you're still not taking Jesus from me. Because like our hymn said, I know in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. I know in my heart, and nobody can take that from me. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what text I have or what building I stand in. It does not matter what group I associate myself with because at the end of the day, I know my Lord and Savior. I have encountered him day in and day out. I have been blessed to have him call me by name. And I know who he is. And I call him by name as well. And so when we talk about whether or not it matters, if we believe, it does. Jesus knew that Thomas needed this encounter. Thomas would go on not only to continue to grow the church in Jerusalem, but he actually traveled all the way to India and founded a denomination there called the Mar Thoma. And that Christian church is still alive and vibrant in southern India tracing themselves back to Thomas because the one who doubted was transformed. I believe that that's a repetitive theme in the Bible, that the one who doubts encounters 
and is transformed. And if you don't come, you will miss that. And you'll be wondering what everybody else is doing. And people will be talking. Do you hear my people they had at Easter at Crozet? It's kind of crazy. Maybe we should go for Christmas. This is what we strive for. Because the truth is that people want to encounter worship. And they want to encounter it in a transformative way. They don't want to just come and hear some pretty music. You can do that anywhere. You can live stream Slacker Radio right now. You don't need to be in here and hear this. Instead, there must be something more. And it's you. It's not me. It's not even them. It's you. Because people come and they sit in your midst and you greet them and you look like you have the love of Jesus Christ on your face as you sing these hymns, as you participate. Time and time again, people have debates about worship, right? We call these worship wars, which sounds completely inappropriate in church. And people will go, oh, traditional worship is dying. Really? Dying? 350 on Easter. I don't know that that's death. Does that feel like death to you? I don't know that that's death, but I can tell you what makes a big difference. You make a big difference because you can be passionate about traditional worship. You can be passionate about being in the midst and singing songs in Old English. You can be passionate about listening to Scripture, singing the songs, praising God through the creeds. You can be passionate in the midst of that. Or we can become one of those churches where everybody sits stone-faced and everybody is kind of lifeless and you won't look at anybody behind you. Right? Or we can be the church where you turn around and go, I don't know that I know your name. Do you always sit over here? Sometimes I move. You can get invested in people. You can decide that it's going to be something bigger because time is of the essence as far as having the encounter, right? People come and they're looking for the encounter. So yesterday was a stormy, cold, nasty day. I call those nap days. And I woke up, and I'm going to be honest with you, the very human part of me was like, it's nap day. But then... Christ stirred in my heart and reminded me that it was also Rise Against Hunger Day. And that I had told myself that I was going to go to both shifts and that I was actually going to work both shifts. Normally I'm like cheerleader Sarah, like, yay, you're doing an awesome job. But I worked every station. I ran my booty off. I lost 0.25 pounds yesterday. (laughs) And then I put my shoes on and I gained it back. But I want you to know what happened yesterday. I watched as people, not only from our congregation came, people from other churches joined us here. A couple people walked off the street. I don't even know that they're affiliated with Jesus, and they wanted to come and be a part of what we did yesterday. And you know what happened yesterday? We've been talking about it all during Lent, that we were going to raise $7,500, and we were going to pack 25,000 meals. That was the goal. God loves to make fun of my goals. I just want you to know that. And so God said, ha, 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 25,000, 26,352. 26,352. 
And we packed these bags, and then we had to weigh these bags, and you had to put rice in or take rice out. And then we had to seal the bags, which sounds a lot easier than it really is. And then we had to box the bags. And it was this really incredible encounter. And I could have been home in my pajamas napping. And part of me wanted to do that. I'm not going to lie to you. Part of me really wanted to do that. But even though I went home exhausted and napped, even though I was here for hours and hours, I have never been a part of anything like this. And I come from the largest church in this state, in Methodism. And we had never done this. But now I have. And so many of us did this. It was an incredible experience. And we packed these meals. There's six servings in here. And you know where all of those meals are going, 26,352? They're going to Nicaragua. Because people down there have been praying to God, God, we are hungry, feed your lambs. God, we need to see you. God, show us that you still care. Show us that my child is actually going to make it through the night. God, help us. And somehow, some miraculous way, some nameless, faceless disciples of Jesus Christ in some place called Crozet, Virginia, are being vessels of God's answered prayers. We are going to feed people, and they are going to survive. And God is going to continue to nurture their spirits and their hearts, and they will discover what it is to thrive in Jesus Christ. But I could have missed this. And even though we're thinking it's going to be bigger next year, we're thinking maybe 30, 35,000. Do not put your Lord to the test. I would have missed out on something incredible. Because for a moment, I could have let it be all about me. And I can tell you right now that there have been plenty of times where I have let it be all about me and what I wanted. And I've even justified it as I really need a nap today. But instead, when we make it all about Jesus, we have an experience and a God encounter. And we bless other people. That's what this is about. It's about making a difference, a tangible difference in people's lives. And you are the reason that happens. I didn't pack 26,352 meals. I was part of the body of Christ that did that. And you are invited into that, into the deepest level that you want. You are invited and empowered to invite other people into this. You know, and people showed up and they were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't even know, but we'll figure it out because God provides us with people who do know. And we will figure it out because God is with us. God is for us. And we are here to be for others. And Thomas had to learn that so that we too could learn. Because at the end of the day, when you crawl into your bed and you're ready to sleep, do you look back and say, God let me have an incredible moment today? Or do you look back and wonder if tomorrow is going to be worth it? That's the question that God poses in our hearts every day. What have you done with the blessings that I have given you? And if you do what Christ calls us to do, 
I believe that God will continue to bless us more. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.